This podcast provides audio versions of live webinars. Please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Thank you for downloading the webinars podcast from Bite Size Bio, the missing manual for bioscientists. The full version of this webinar can be viewed by navigating to bitesizebio.com slash webinars and clicking on the name of the sponsor, which can be found in the list on the right-hand side of the page. Hello, this is Amanda Welch welcoming you to this Bite Size Bio web seminar, which today is sponsored by Leica Microsystems. Leica Microsystems develops and manufactures microscopes and scientific instruments for the analysis of microstructures and nanostructures. Widely recognized for optical precision and innovative technology, the company is one of the market leaders in compound and stereo microscopy, digital microscopy, confocal laser scanning and super resolution microscopy with related imaging systems, electron microscopy sample preparation, and surgical microscopy. Today's presentation is titled Live Cell Isolation by Laser Microdissection and is being presented by Dr. Oleg Podgorny from the Koltsov Institute of Developmental Biology and Clinical Center of Physical Chemical Medicine. Oleg is a senior researcher at Koltsov Institute of Developmental Biology of Russian Academy of Sciences and Federal Research and Clinical Center of Physical Chemical Medicine in Moscow, Russia. He received his PhD at the Koltsov Institute of Developmental Biology in 2006. After his PhD thesis defense, which was focused on stem cell maintenance in vitro, Oleg acquired experience on the use of laser microdissection for live cell isolation. In 2015, he joined Professor Grigory Anikolopov's group at Stony Brook University in New York as a postdoctoral associate. His research was focused on elucidating modes of neural stem cell division and understanding mechanisms underlying their maintenance in the adult brain. This year, Oleg returned to Moscow and joined the teams at Koltsov Institute of Developmental Biology and Clinical Center of Physical Chemical Medicine to continue his research on adult neurogenesis. Now, as always, we have a question and answer session after the presentation. So please type any questions that you have into the questions box, which appears on the right-hand side of your screen, and I'll put them to all at the end. The recording of the webinar will be available at bitesizebio.com under our free skills webinar section in about 24 to 48 hours. So now over to you, Oleg, for the presentation. Thank you, Amanda, for this invitation. Hello, everybody. Today, I would like to present my findings on the use of the local laser microdissection system for live cell applications. Well, laser microdissection method has been basically developed to resolve a problem of the tissue heterogeneity. Tissues and organs of multicellular organisms consist of multiple cell types that play various roles in the tissue and organ maintenance and their normal functioning. Therefore, when they examine gene expression, protein synthesis, and metabolite production in the whole tissue or organ lysate, we do not know which cell types produce a definite component. Moreover, we also frequently do not know the contribution of distinct cell types into the entire amount of definite component. So laser microdissection is a preparative method aimed to resolve these problems. Using morphological criteria and molecular markers, we are able to identify specific cell types in tissue sections under microscope control and capture them into separate vials by laser microdissection. The isolated samples can undergo a variety of the downstream molecular examinations. Due to its features, laser microdissection has been found to be useful in the various fields of biomedical research, such as cancer research, developmental biology, neuroscience, cellular and molecular biology, forensic science, pathology, and clinical tests. Four different laser microdissection platforms are available from Zeiss, Arcturus, Molecular Machines and Industries, and Leica. All these systems share the same method for the section of the area of interest from the rest of tissue section but they differ in methods for capturing test dissected samples. 
The principles of laser microdissection by Zeiss, Arcturus, and MMI may be found on the respective producers' online resources. In this webinar, I will be focused on the application of the Leica laser microdissection system for light cell isolation. I would like to remind you the working principle of Leica laser microdissection system. A tissue section is attached to the polyethylene naphthalate membrane or CAN membrane, which is fixed on a glass slide or a metallic frame. A beam of the pulsed ultraviolet laser is focused by the objective lens of the upright microscope. The laser beam moves along the line that confines the area of interest. The laser pulses ablate both the biological tissue and the pen membrane, causing separation of the area of interest from the rest of the specimen. Under the action of the force of gravity, a completely separated sample falls into the collector located under the specimen. Then, the isolated samples undergo downstream molecular assays. Besides fixed tissue applications, this principle may also be applied for live cell isolation. What is the advantage of laser microdissection for live cell isolation in comparison to other separation techniques? The most known and well-established techniques which provide selection of live cells with identical features from mixed cell populations are only compatible with single cell suspensions. Such techniques include fluorescence-activated cell sorting, magnetic-activated cell sorting, cloning by limited dilution, dielectrophoresis, and other. Prior to the selection procedure using these techniques, adherent cells must be mechanically and in the most cases enzymatically detached from the carrier and dissociated to prepare a single cell suspension. This is a considerable disadvantage of such techniques because enzymatic dissociation can trigger diverse signaling pathways and therefore it can cause unwanted effects on the cell fate after replating that may be especially critical for stem cell research. Many cell lines as well as many stem cell cultures are basically grown in vitro as adherent cells. So, if we grow them in the pan-membrane petri dishes, we are able to isolate live cells by laser microdissection without detaching them from the carrier. And this is a great advantage of laser microdissection. Leica laser microdissection system may be equipped with a number of devices for live cell isolation. My experience on live cell isolation is limited to the use of the 15 millimeter pen membrane petri dish as a source of live cells and the 812 strip or the same petri dish as a sample collectors. An additional option to perform live cell isolation is the use of the 18-well EBITDA slide stack. This stack consists of two 18-well slides. Cells are grown in the wells of the slides with the membrane bottom. Then this slide is turned upside down and placed on the slide with the regular plastic bottom. The wells of both slides should be matched. The advantage of the agent LED slide stack in comparison to other devices is a better protection from contamination because the wells of both slides are isolated from the environment. However, the use of this slide stack doesn't allow us to collect samples from the same source into separate wells. So the membrane petri dish and H-well strip seems to be an optimal combination of the devices for separation of live cells. Also, the manual for the Leica laser microdissection system contains guideline, guidelines uh, for live cell cutting. 
these guidelines basically do not provide good results on the live cell isolation. Particularly, the manual suggests using as thin as possible liquid layer above cells in petri dish. However, the thin layer of liquid evaporates too quickly in the open petri dish at plus 37 degrees of Celsius, causing drying of cells and as a consequence, their death. Therefore, I would like to talk about modifications of the laser micro dissection principle and the critical laser settings which allow for successful live cell isolation. So, one of the important modifications is the use of the amount of culture medium enough to prevent quick evaporation. In this case, live cell isolation is performed in two steps. The first step is cutting. The pre-selected area of interest with live cells is dissected from the rest of specimen by the ultraviolet laser beam which moves along the line that confines the area of interest. This step is performed in automatic mode draw and cut of laser micro dissection software. The dissected sample doesn't fall into collector because the force of surface tension holds the sample at the plane of the membrane. I would like to emphasize that the cutting step is performed when the empty well of the eight well strip is placed under the specimen. If the well filled with culture medium is placed under petri dish, uh, evaporated liquid condenses on the downside of the membrane. This complicates discrimination of cells and significantly reduces ablative ability of the laser. Leaving an empty well in the eight well strip allows us to avoid this problem and prevents contamination of the microscope condenser by the membrane and cell fragments scattered by the ablation process. The next step is extraction of the dissected sample. Prior to extraction, the eight well strip is shifted to place a well with culture medium under petri dish. Then the laser pulse is applied at the rim of the dissected sample in the manual mode move and cut of the laser micro dissection software by clicking left button of the computer mouse. This leads to the extraction of the dissected sample, which then freely falls into collector. The extracted sample is floating on the surface of culture medium. To collect the next area of interest, we need to shift the eight well strip back to the empty well and repeat these two steps and so on. When live cell isolation is completed, the eight well strip is removed from the holder and droplets are added above the floating sample to submerge it into culture medium. Let's take a look on a movie illustrating a live cell isolation procedure. There is a halocell monolayer grown on the membrane petri dish. This cell monolayer is visualized by the phase contrast mode of the microscope. We would like, for example, to collect a circular area that has a 300 micrometer diameter into the well of the eight well strip. We switch to the bright field mode of the microscope and push start cut button in automatic mode, draw and cut. The laser beam moves along the circular line and dissects the sample from the rest of the specimen. Once the cutting step is completed, laser settings are readjusted for the extraction step. Then, the manual mode move and cut is activated and the eight well strip is shifted to place a well with culture medium under petri dish. We can see that the background has become slightly red. By adjusting the cursor at the rim of the dissected sample and clicking the left button of the computer mouse, we extract the sample into collector. 
then we can check whether the sample has fallen in the well of the age well strip by switching to the inspection mode. Now we can see the extracted sample floating on the surface of culture medium. There is a number of points crucial for successful live cell isolation by the Lake Laser Micro Dissection System. Let's discuss them one by one. The first step is the preparation of live cells for micro dissection. Cells should be grown in at least two milliliters of culture medium in a membrane petri dish. Each membrane petri dish should be inserted into a larger plastic petri dish to preserve the external side of the membrane from contamination. Prior to laser micro dissection, culture medium should be entirely moved and a fixed volume of the same or fresh medium should be added. I always add one milliliter. This amount of culture medium provides duration of a cutting session for no longer than 40 minutes in the open petri dish at plus 37 degrees of Celsius. Liquid in the open petri dish is continuously evaporated. Therefore, to continue for an additional 40-minute cutting session, it is necessary to remove all liquid and refill petri dish with one milliliter of fresh culture medium. This procedure may be repeated several times. Thus, live cell isolation from a single petri dish may last for hours without noticeable decrease in the replating efficiency. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Listen In from Bite Size Bio. To access the visuals of this webinar, please see the episode description for a link to the full presentation. Now, let's discuss the laser settings for live cell isolation. All laser settings for the cutting step as well as for extraction step should be determined for a fixed volume of culture medium in petri dish. Once laser settings have been determined for this fixed volume, they should be used for every consecutive cutting session. I determined all laser settings for one milliliter of culture medium. I found that 10x and 20x objectives are enough to perform less alive cell isolation. The use of 5x or 40x objectives doesn't provide any improvements for live cell isolation in comparison to 10x and 20x objectives. Therefore, I will be discussing the laser settings for 10x and 20x objectives only. The laser settings include power, aperture, speed, head current, pulse frequency, and offset. The head current setting is an, an additional level of laser power adjustment. The head current value adjusted to 100% works for the most applications. Therefore, I will discuss laser power adjustment only by the power setting. The offset setting controls a focus position of the laser beam along z-axis and is used to compensate chromatic aberrations of lenses. We use visible light to adjust focus on the specimen, but the laser line belongs to the ultraviolet A range of the electromagnetic spectrum. Due to chromatic aberrations, a lens focuses the laser beam at the plane distinct from the specimen. This concern is especially crucial for live cell isolation because of a thick liquid layer above the cells. This layer serves an, as an additional optical component and enhances chromatic aberrations. Precise focusing is critical for the ablation process. The offset setting attenuates this concern and its optimal value should be empirically determined for each object objective combined with the membrane petri dish filled there with the fixed volume of culture medium.
The aperture setting control and open through which the ultraviolet laser beam travels. This opening determines a cone angle of the bundle of rays that come to the focus and elongation of a focal spot in z-axis. The use of uh, low aperture provides the elongated focal spot of the laser beam along z-axis. This attenuates inaccuracy in laser beam focusing caused by continuous change in thickness of the liquid layer. The speed setting determines a velocity of the laser beam movement along the line that confines the area of interest. The pulse frequency setting determines a pulse repetition rate of the laser and varies from 10 hertz to 5000 hertz. The speed and pulse frequency settings should be kept at low values. High values of these settings have been found to evoke intense bubbling. The bubbling scatters the laser beam causing appearance of undissected spaces along the cutting line. This reduces cutting efficiency. To determine an optimal value of the power setting, it is necessary to reduce the setting gradually until cutting fails. The least value of the power setting when cutting is still possible should be optimal for laser microdissection of live cells. I would like to emphasize that the optimal laser settings should be determined empirically for individual laser microdissection instruments. The values of the laser settings that are shown in my presentation may be used as references for the fixed volume of one milliliter. Almost identical values of the settings for 10x and 20x objectives may be explained by their almost equal numerical apertures, 0.3 and 0.4 respectively. The next critical point is filling wells of the eight wells strip with culture medium for collection of the dissected samples. As I told earlier, there should be one empty well in the eight wells chip. It is necessary for the cutting step. The rest of wells should be filled with culture medium as shown on the slide. Liquid should reach the edge of the well forming a meniscus. Wells should not be incompletely filled or overfilled with culture medium. To fill wells properly, it is necessary to add approximately 350 microliters of culture medium. Then liquid should be distributed along the edge of each well by a pipette tip to form a meniscus. The next slide explains why it should be done. After completion of the cutting step, the dissected sample is held by the force of the surface tension at the plane of the membrane. To extract the dissected sample, it is necessary to apply a laser pulse at the rim of the sample in the manual mode movement cut of laser micro dissection software. Application of the extracting laser pulse causes not only vertical but also horizontal motion of the sample. This horizontal motion occurs in the opposite direction to the side of the extracting laser pulse application. By other words, if the laser pulse is applied to the upper part of the sample as shown in this slide, its horizontal motion always occurs downward. Acceleration in the horizontal plane is so strong 
that dissected samples fly over the well of the H well strip. To overcome this concern, it is necessary to readjust a well position relatively to the center of the field of view. Usually, the center of the well coincides with the center of the field of view. So, if an extracting pulse is usually applied to the upper part of the dissected sample, the center of the well should be slightly shifted downward. To readjust the collector position, it is necessary to select Settings Inset in the main menu of the laser micro dissection software and use an option for inspection position alignment. It is also clear from the figures on this slide why wells of the 8-well strip should be filled entirely. If a well is filled incompletely, the dissected sample due to its strong horizontal acceleration after the extracting pulse application may reach the wall of the well but not surface of liquid. In this case, the sample dries and the cells die. Let's talk about the laser settings for sample extraction. As I told earlier, to extract the dissected sample, it is necessary to apply a laser pulse in the manual mode movement cut by clicking the left button of the computer mouse. It is obviously that the total laser power that should be applied to the dissected sample must overcome the force of surface tension that holds the sample in the plane of the membrane. The total length of the cutting line, or by other words, a perimeter of the shape determines the total force of surface tension. Therefore, circular shapes should be primarily used for light cell isolation because of the least ratio of the perimeter to area. Complex or irregular shapes were found to be extracted with low efficiency. What should we do if a 200 micrometer shape is too small area and doesn't contain the entire cell colony, but a 300 micrometer shape additionally contains unwanted cells? There is only an option to apply 300 micrometer shape and kill the unwanted cells manually by the laser pulses before the sample is dissected and extracted. To determine the optimal laser settings for the extraction step, we should perform empirical search of the least total laser power required for the sample extraction. The total laser power is controlled by the power setting as well as by the aperture setting. The aperture setting controls an opening through which the ultraviolet laser beam travels. Therefore, enlarging the aperture causes increasing the amount of the ultraviolet light that tra travels to the specimen. Changing both settings, their optimal combinations should be determined empirically for circle-shaped samples with different diameters, and these optimal combinations may be used for future experiments. The optimal power and aperture combinations determined for 10x and 20x objectives are shown on this slide. For each sample size in this table, any reduce of either power or aperture setting causes failure of the sample extraction. Importantly, pulse frequency is always adjusted to 10 Hz. Hydrofrequencies increases uh, increase probability to apply more than one laser pulse in the manual mode. The power and the aperture combinations presented here provide almost 100% extraction efficiency. This means that almost all samples reach collector. There is one exclusion. 700 micrometer samples are 
extracted with approximately 20% efficiency at the highest values of the power and aperture settings. 800 micrometer samples were never extracted with any laser settings. This means that the circular shape with a 700 micrometer diameter is an upper size limit for the live samples which may be isolated by the lake laser micro dissection system. After extraction, the samples float on the surface of culture medium. To submerge them into culture medium, the H-well strip is placed in a stereo microscope with the upper light source. Under control of the stereo microscope, a 50 microliter sample of culture medium is taken by a regular automatic pipette. Then droplets are added above the floating sample to submerge it into culture medium. In the next experiment, I would like to answer the question regarding replating efficiency after live cell laser micro dissection. To this end, hella cells were grown on the membrane petri dishes until formation of confluent monolayers. Then, the circle-shaped samples of various diameters <clears throat> ranged from 50 to 600 micrometers were isolated into individual wells of the eight well strips. For each size, 100 samples were isolated in five independent experimental repeats. Then, growth of new cell colonies was examined over the next five days. It has been found that the 50 micrometer samples never produce new cell colonies. This figure demonstrates growth of new cell colonies from 100 200, 300, and 600 micrometer samples during two consecutive days. It is clear seen that cells expand outside the dissected samples. Quantitative analysis revealed that all samples with diameter 200 micrometers and more produced new cell colonies. On the 55% of 100 micrometer samples formed new cell colonies, and none of 50 micrometer samples exhibited rare growth. To elucidate what happens with live cells after the laser micro dissection procedure, cell viability was examined. To this end, a confluent hella cell monolayer in the membrane petri dish was stained with propidium iodide to visualize dead cells. Then the areas without dead cells were selected, and the circle shaped samples with various diameters were isolated. In this case, all cells on the sample were alive before the laser micro dissection procedure. Immediately after laser micro dissection procedure, the dissected samples were stained simultaneously with SYBR green and propidium iodide to reveal live cells in green and then dead cells in red. These images demonstrate distributions of live and dead cells within the samples with different diameters. It is clear seen that the laser kills all cells adjacent to the edge of the samples. The area of dead cells extends at the site of the extracting pulse application. This is more pronounced for 300 and 600 micrometer samples because the most powerful laser pulse is applied to extract samples with such diameters. Approximately 50% of the 100 micrometer samples contain none of live cells. Apparently, this observation explains the above-mentioned results 
of the replating efficiency for 100 micrometer samples. The next intriguing question concerns a possibility to isolate single life cells by laser micro dissection. The answer to this question is yes. Single life cell isolation by laser micro dissection is possible. However, isolation of single cells requires some specific conditions. First, cells in the membrane petri dish should be grown at a low density to be separated by enough distance to each other. Second, the laser beam should be moved at the safe distance from a single cell to avoid its damage during a cutting step. The next movie demonstrates single cell isolation by laser micro dissection. Here, a 200 micrometer circular shape was selected because previous experiments revealed, revealed that the samples of this size always contain live cells. This means that the distance from the cell in the center of the shape to the laser spot is quite safe. The strategy of the single cell laser micro dissection is absolutely the same and includes two steps, cutting and extraction. To ensure that the sample with uh, a single cell has, fall, uh, has been captured into collector, we switch to the inspection mode at the end of the procedure. After laser micro dissection, growth of clones from single cells can be observed. These images illustrate, illustrate growth of a clone from a single cell during seven subsequent days after laser micro dissection. I haven't performed quantitative analysis of the replating efficiency after single live cell isolation, but the next observation provides its rough estimation. These are 18 single cells immediately after isolation by laser micro dissection. These images show the same agent samples eight days later. Here we can see 11 quite large colonies grown from single cells. The rest of the samples exhibited poor or even absent growth of new colonies. This means that more than 50% of the samples produced clones of single cells. It's a quite good result. We also applied laser micro dissection for isolation of single chlamydia infected cells. Chlamydia trachomatis is an obligate intracellular parasite which possesses a unique biphasic life cycle. The microorganism alternates between two functionally and morphologically distinct forms. Such lifestyle complicates genetic manipulation with chlamydia because of the lack of methods for the effective selection and cloning. Laser micro dissection of single chlamydia infected cells seemed to be beneficial for this application. We infected HELA cells with chlamydia at a multiplicity of infection 0.1, or by other words, one infectious particle per 10 eukaryotic cells. It was necessary to reduce a probability to infect individual, individual eukaryotic cells with more than one infectious particle. Before isolation by laser microdissection, infected cells were stained with body pie C5 ceramide. This fluorescent ceramide is a sphingolipid that incorporates into the membrane of Golgi apparatus. Chlamydial inclusion is known to redirect vesicular traffic from Golgi apparatus, causing accumulation of the fluorescent ceramide in the inclusion, whereas non-infected cells revealed a weak signal from Golgi apparatus.
the laser microdissection procedure is absolutely the same as for the single live cell isolation. The first step is cutting off a single infected cell. Then we shift the H well strip and extract the dissected sample into the well with culture medium and a preliminary grown HALA cell monolayer. After completion of the procedure, we switch to the inspection mode in the laser micro dissection software. To ensure that the infected cells, uh, infected cell has been captured, we activate the fluorescent mode of the microscope. Now we can see bright fluorescent signal from the chlamydial inclusion. When the dissected sample was submerged into culture medium, it reached, uh, reached a bottom of the well with the preliminary grown HALA cell monolayer. The chlamydial inclusion maturates, causing cell lysis and release of infectious particles. These particles initiate new round of chlamydial infection in the preliminary grown HALA cell monolayer. The no-forming inclusion can be observed by staining with an anti-chlamydia trachomatis lipooligosaccharide antibody. Thus, we were able to propagate chlamydia from a single infectious particle using laser microdissection. Let's summarize everything regarding live cell laser microdissection. As you could see, live cells may be captured by laser microdissection and replated to produce new cell colonies. Single cell cloning is also possible. However, it's too slow in comparison to well-known single-cell isolation techniques like fluorescence-activated cell sorting. Laser microdissection of individual cell colonies without their detachment from the carrier seems to be the most beneficial application of this technique and has a great potential to be used in stem cell research. This technique is quite flexible only for collection of samples into individual wells or a single petri dish. However, complex or irregular shapes uh, should be avoided and the optimal size of circle-shaped samples that can be collected ranges from 100 to 600 micrometers. So, today I presented all specific technical details that allow you to isolate live cells by Leica laser microdissection system. Thank you very much for your attention and I will be glad to answer your questions. Thanks Oleg, that was an excellent presentation. We have a few questions from the audience. If anyone else has a question, please feel free to post it in the questions box that appears on the right of your screen. So our first question is about um, have you experienced contamination working with an open petri dish in an open eight well strip within a non-sterile environment? Of course, there is a high risk of contamination when we uh, work with uh, an open petri dish and an open eight well strip. Uh, so to avoid contamination, we always clean uh, the climatic chamber and the microscope stage with 70% uh, ethanol uh, before uh, the laser micro dissection procedure. Uh, moreover, we also remove the metallic sheet that separates uh, specimen area and um, collector area and apply to these to uh, both sides of this sheet 70% uh, ethanol. All manipulations with uh, H well strips, I mean uh, feeding mm -hmm. with culture medium and uh, uh, and uh, insertion into the holder, uh, all these uh, manipulations were uh, performed in a 
biosafety cabinet and okay. uh, uh, so and uh, strip uh, the the strip uh, the holder with strips and petri dish uh, uh, are placed into uh, a uh, uh, into a sterile uh, container and uh, the container is uh, transferred to the climatic chamber where we perform a laser micro dissection. After completion of the procedure, mm -hmm. we uh, return the uh, holder with uh, 812 strips into the uh, sterile container and this container is transferred back to the um, uh, to the uh, biosafety cab cabinet, and okay. uh, other other procedures are performed in uh, um, uh, biosafety ca cabinet. Uh, following these uh, um, uh, these procedures, uh, the procedures of, uh, of this type, uh, so we uh, actually have never experienced contamination, uh, even. Um, even if we work with a culture medium without addition of antibiotics. Okay. So as an additional option, uh, we can use uh, the agent well, uh, no, well slide stack, which I was uh, talking about earlier. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And then um, we have another question about, is it possible to perform automatic identification and isolation of live cells using the um, like a LMD system. So uh, actually, uh, I um, do not have an experience to okay. use auto vision uh, control module of the uh, laser micro dissection software for live cell application. But uh, I think that it is possible to identify uh, cells of interest using this module. Uh, uh, when um, these uh, cells are, are fluorescently labeled. For example, if you work with uh, a transgenic cell line that expresses a fluorescent protein, uh, or uh, if you are able to uh, mark uh, your uh, cells with uh, a fluorescent vital dye mm -hmm. or fluorescent antibody against surface antigen. Uh, so you can uh, you can try to use auto vision control module to identify these cells uh, and their XY uh, and remember their XY positions. Okay. Uh, how, however, uh, the shapes uh, uh, generated automatically by this module uh, are not suitable for live cell isolation uh, because the cut line uh, will be too close to live cells and the laser beam may destroy uh, the, uh, the cells. Therefore, uh, I think that after identification of the cells of interest, uh, you need to select uh, individual uh, object recognized by um, recognized by the software and perform uh, and uh, uh, and apply circular shape instead of automatically generated uh, shape and performed cutting and uh, extracting procedures as described in my presentation earlier. Um, yeah, uh, Amanda? Yes, I said that makes sense. So we have a question from Rhonda um, and they're asking, how do we know how much to shift the wells to catch the sample? Is it trial and error or do you have a rule of thumb? Something like that. So uh, uh, you mean that uh, for uh, the shift of wells uh, for uh, extraction step. So yes. uh, usually I uh, shift uh, reaching the rim of the well. You can see it uh, when uh, you capture the image from the uh, microscope. If you see the rim of the well, uh, I think that it's enough to uh, for uh, for shift uh, of the well for capturing. I think it's, it's enough. You, you may also see on my slides that mm -hmm. uh, on the upper side of the image, there is uh, some uh, some optical uh, uh, some optical effects of the re, uh, of the age of the well. So I think you, 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 you may mm -hmm. estimate this. Okay. And then we have some um, we have a word in from the LMDPM and from Falk. 
And they say the distance of the cutting line can be changed in the AVC, which is nowadays the auto detection module or ADM, just so everybody knows. And then we have a question from um, Rashot. The climate, so they're asking if the climate chamber is a requirement for the LMD7 for live cell imaging. Um, they added on to that. So does that mean every time we do a dissection, we need to open the lid of the Petri dish? So, uh, yes, I think that uh, the uh, climate chamber is required for live cell uh, isolation because uh, the uh, isolation uh, lasts uh, too long, maybe four hours, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's, um, it's uh, not um, suitable to keep the cells at, uh, outside. So right. I think that, that uh, climatic chamber, uh, on one hand, uh, um, provide you an optimal temperature. Uh, and on another hand, um, the climatic chamber protect uh, the, the area from the contamination. So, Amanda? Well, that looks like just checking the questions. So that looks like that bring, that was the last question that we had. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the end of the webinar. So thank you again, Oleg, for a very illuminating presentation and a great discussion. Mm -hmm. And thanks also to our sponsor, Leica Microsystems. And finally, thanks to you, the audience, for taking the time to attend and listen in. If you've enjoyed the seminar and would like to view the video recording of the session, please visit the webinars page on bitesizebio.com. It should be available within the next 24 to 40 hours. There you can see the other webinars we have lined up for you on Bite Size Bio. So until next time, good luck in your research and goodbye from all of us at Leica Microsystems and Bite Size Bio. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the webinar. To view the full video version of this and all of our other webinars, please visit bitesizebio.com slash webinars. Finding the right mentor can make all the difference in your research journey. But what if you don't have one? Look no further than Mentors at Your Benchside, the podcast that offers curated advice from experienced researchers on lab skills, techniques, and career progression. With short, easy-to-access episodes, you can get the help you need to succeed in the lab. Visit bitesizebio.com forward slash podcasts or search for Mentors at Your Benchside in your podcast app to subscribe and get help and advice from seasoned scientists.